0: All right, this is S. Anthony. Glad you came back. Ready for the next one? All right, here we go. go. S. S. Anthony Thomas. Go. S. You know, let me talk about something really for a little bit here. Um, I, I was watching. I was sitting at home and I was watching the uh, like not not the cable channel, but one of those secondary channels on regular television because uh, the stuff on cable, eh, had, you know, who cares? And they were having a marathon of quote black exploitation films unquote, and I was never really a fan of that label because of the exploitation part of the of the title. And you know, because essentially to me, it was kind of belittling the filmmakers' work or the, or the the body of work of all of these filmmakers because you never have any other ethnic group exploitation. You know what I'm saying? It, or, you know, and then when they, and I'm not even going to say the names that they call the, uh, the the movies made by Chinese people that came over. And I called them kung fu movies because that's what they were. Movies with kung fu in them. But there were other names. They would call them chop movies and stuff like that. You know, it's a little too belittling for me to even be, to use that kind of title. I never liked that. You know, I didn't call it black exploitation films. I would call them movies. <laughs> you know? You know, it's like when you go to China China, and you ordered food, you wouldn't say, I would like some Chinese food. Because if you did, the guy would go, you know, everything you buy within the borders of this country is Chinese food because this is China. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably wondering why I didn't do a Chinese accent. And the reason I didn't do a Chinese accent is because I would be really bad at doing a Chinese accent. And one of the worst things you can ever do is try to do an accent that you're bad at because the worse you are at it, the more racist it sounds. You know, it's, it's like it reminds me of, I was uh hanging out at this place and, and this is when I was a, a, a kid. I was like, 19, 20 years old. And, you know, you know how you but your hip hopped out with the baggy this and the thing that had turned this way and all that kind of stuff. And I sound exactly the same way I sound right now. I always spoke this way. I will always speak this way. I mean, when I'm around my friends, I may, you know, get a little more colloquial or, and sound like, you know, I'm so no, man, you know I mean, I, I'll do that. In my, well, close friends, but for the most part, this is what I sound like, which is kind of weird. People get weirded out. I remember showing up for a job interview and, uh, I, I show, <laughs> I walk in and, uh, the, the lady walks out and she sees me sitting there. I got my, my t-shirt, got my jeans on. I'm looking good. Uh, you know, that's what, just, that's what you think of did, 19 or 20. I'm looking good. I wasn't necessarily in the best business attire, but I knew I was qualified for the job. And the lady walks out into the lobby, and she goes, uh, Mr. Thomas, Mr. Thomas, Mr. Thomas. And I go, right here. And she turns around with a smile on her face, and then she sees me. And she goes, Ugh. now, the thing was, she wasn't, uh, she didn't think less. I didn't, I didn't detect racism, like the overt racism there. But it was more along the lines of, I did not expect this. And I said, what did you expect? I said, you expected a, a middle-aged white guy, didn't you? She goes, uh, well, I wouldn't say that. I said, nah, it's all right. Let's go in and do the interview. I got the job. But, but it was just, it's just weird how, you know, you see, you see uh, these weird things happening when people don't understand uh, that they can make misconceptions about things and they'll, they'll mislabel things, you know? And like I said, it's, I never thought of it as black exploitation films. I just thought of them as movies. You know, you wouldn't, like I said, you wouldn't go to China, China and go, can I have some Chinese food? It's all Chinese food. It's just, to them, it's just food, you know? You know, black people don't necessarily, at least the ones that I know, we don't necessarily refer to the food that we eat as soul food. We call it, um, what's the word? Oh, yeah, food. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing about it, when I was watching these, quote, black exploitation movies, unquote, I watched them and they were actually, a bunch of them were really, really good. They were really, really good. And surprisingly so, you know, sometimes you'd be in a hotel. I travel, obviously. So, so you go, you're in a hotel room. And you'll turn on the TV and, and there'll be some kind of movie coming on. It'll be a movie you've never heard of. And you'll watch it. And you go, this is damn good. Why the hell was this not a hit? Or why didn't I hear about it? And then you find out the movie was a hit with the audience that it was directed to. It did make money. It was profitable. You just didn't hear about it because it didn't play in the movie theaters in the, in the, uh, in the, in the downtown area of your city. But it was a hit. How do I know? Because this is, whatever the name of the movie is, part six. If the first five movies didn't make any money, they wouldn't have made the sixth one. That's not how it works. It would have never happened, you know. So what I'm saying is, you know, we got to make sure that we be careful how we label things. Because when you give people and you give things the wrong label, you automatically dehumanize them. You automatically um, lower their worth in your mind. And what that does is it changes how you react to them and how you treat them. And that's the truth. I mean, you think, think about it in your relationships. You know, if you're in a relationship and, you, and you, uh, you're having a fight with your husband or your wife, when they were honey, baby, darling, sweetheart, loogie boo boo, whatever name you call them, when you got a handful of their body parts, you've, you've elevated them to something special and magical and, and awesome. You know, you've elevated them into this otherworldly great thing that you can't wait to get home to. That you can't wait to spend time with, that you would do anything for. But the moment your husband becomes the asshole is home, well, he's the asshole now. He's not Bill anymore. He's the asshole. The minute your wife becomes, eh, I gotta go home to that bitch. The moment, the moment she becomes that bitch, she's not the, she's not Margaret or Susie or whatever the hell her name is. She's not that. She's that bitch and he's that asshole's home. And the second that happens, they're not a person anymore. And once a person is not a person, you can do anything you want to them. You see, you would never humiliate Bill in front of his friends by bringing up something embarrassing and stupid and yelling at him and treating him like a friggin' child in front of his friends. You wouldn't do it, but you'd do it to that asshole, Tom. You'd do it to him. You would never flirt with that waitress and give, take her phone number, or, whether, even if you weren't going to call it, you would never even put yourself out as, as available and be looking at some girl, and maybe slob some other girl down. And by slopping some other girl down, that's a term used, uh, in the hood for kissing a girl. You wouldn't do that. You know, not, not to your wonderful wife, Susie or Margaret or Jill or, or Linda, but you do it to that bitch. And that's what happens, man. So when I looked at the films, I realized that they were being disrespected and dehumanized. Well, not dehumanized. They are actually a film. I didn't mean to <laughs> What I meant was devalued. Uh They were devalued by calling them that. And because they're devalued by calling them that, they're not put into the rotation on in regular channels. Wonderful films, wonderful acting, wonderful directing in many cases. And they're not put on, you know, regular cable channels. They're not put into the rotation uh with these other movies because they're put off into the blaxploitation box. You see them in February, once a year. And these people who made these wonderful films that should be making lots and lots of money or at least a nice steady income off of these films aren't going to because they're played once a year or they're pushed off into a channel, and, on one channel only, and thought of as, you know, a nice little thing off to the side, you know? And I think that that's one of the things we have to stop now, you know? The good thing about it is, is uh, the same entrepreneurial spirit and the the spirit of making films on your own is one of the reasons why YouTube is is this gigantic site and why there's other sites coming up like that. Because now, when you go on YouTube, you see a lot of things that you know are interesting. You see a lot of dumb crap also, but but if you if you're on YouTube long enough, you'll notice that you'll see a lot of things that are really interesting and well done and well produced. You know, done in the gorilla mark, in the guerrilla filmmaking type of way. And the simple fact that they have no backing and that they've been rejected a million and a half times by the larger companies that just have no don't have the same vision that they have actually makes them in some ways better filmmakers because they have to do it their own way and because they don't have hands in there in their in their in their uh in their art and they don't have anyone giving them notes, meaning some producer or a director who's never well, sometimes they they'll have good notes, but sometimes they'll come in and the person's never written a joke in their life. Never been to a comedy club, never acted, never performed, never even seen anything, but they got the job some in some way and they're giving you notes as a performer and you're going, are you kidding me? You know, but they don't have notes so they can do the art as, as best as possible, you know, and so it becomes an interesting thing. And what happens is you, you then uh, create your own thing and you can kind of shame the people into, uh, <laughs> into giving you a, uh, a deal of some kind or maybe moving you on to the, to the, uh, to the big leagues but it's not necessary it's really not necessary you can do things on your own because the simple fact that you're kept out means that you've been devalued in some way you've been devalued it's not they don't like what you're doing or they don't understand it a friend of mine got mad because he wrote this really nice script and he was doing some shooting of some things and what happened was um, they told that eh, we, we don't not at this time and they didn't understand it and i tried to explain to him so you can't. I said, you really, don't take it personally. Just begin doing it on your own, and you know, once you start doing your own thing, and if you can make money on your own or produce something great, they'll, they'll, you know, you, they'll either look at it or they won't. But you can go directly to the public. You know, you can put it on YouTube. You can sell it this way. You can do that. You don't have to rely on those other people. And I didn't. I decided not to take some of the silliness personally, mainly because if you're a person that works in a big company and you're not a performer, and you you don't know anything about performing, but you just know how to crunch numbers. You got to realize that you're you're as disposable as the as the person who's a, who's an artist. You're as disposable, you know. Because if I write something that sucks and and is messed up, I can just go back and write another one really quickly. But you get fired, you know. So what do they do when they're in those industry in the, in that industry? What do they do? The first thing that they do is they make it a point to go. I don't want to risk anything. I mean, this looks interesting, but it it's not like something that's been done before. The best bet for me is to do something that's just like something that was just successful. And they have that attitude. En masse, they have that attitude. Which is why you keep seeing 55 movies with, you know, with guys in fast cars jumping over things blowing up. Which is why you see lots of cops in black outfits jumping out of windows and, and doing SWAT stuff. Which is why you keep seeing the same guys doing the same damn movie every time. They're afraid to try anything new. And that's the same thing that happened to the black exploitation films. There weren't that many black films with black stars and black directors and black actors. That was new to them. New. And they had no frame of reference for what would happen. They had no idea that they could make money. They had no idea. So they were afraid to even give it a shot. So these people go off on their own, you know, Get money from black celebrities, get money from whoever they can, sell their houses, sell their cars, credit cards, whatever way they can do working on there. They get the money together, then they make their own films. And then that one's successful. And then another person does it. And then another person does it. And then you have a whole class of films that are made outside of the in- the, the standard industry. And instead of just saying, hey, these guys made some wonderful films and it happened to be black, starring black people, it gets called exploitation. So not only do you not get to be in part of the mainstream now, when you create something off to the side, instead of just letting it stand there and go, "Hey, what is that?" You do you, you define it. You're creating it. You define it. You tell me what that is. It gets called black exploitation. So from afar, it's devalued. Happens a lot. We just got to learn not to devalue things that we don't understand. I mean, not just in art. You know, because it, it was a Super Bowl commercial. Um, and it was Coca-Cola made it. And they, they, they sang, I think they sang America the Beautiful. And and what happened was each lyric was sung by a different ethnicity. Uh, you know, there was some Chinese people would sing it and some people from this country would sing it and some people from this country would sing it. But they were all people that lived here and were Americans. And they sang that song, which is a beautiful song and a beautiful sentiment. And you would think that a song that praises the country, a country designed, you know, by design to accept immigrants and to. OK, let's be honest. there's, I mean, if you take apart the slavery and also the hazing that every other group comes goes through when they come here. But but for the most part, what it's what what, what it's supposed to be is. It's a melting pot and everybody comes here and everybody does their thing and even though you have your own your individuality, we still embrace each other as a group and call ourselves Americans. And then what happens? This beautiful commercial. And it was a beautiful commercial, it was not it was well done and it was a wonderful sentiment. And what happens? Jackasses show up. And what do they do? Well, well we're gonna boycott the cup, we're gonna boycott Coke because you should we should that song should only be sung in English. Really? Well, if you really think about it, it should be sung in many Native American languages. Because last time I checked, they're called Native Americans. You know, and I'm not just saying that because I'm 132nd Native Native American. Get off my land, dammit! it. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, you know, we got to stop dehumanizing and devaluing everything. And when they started with the ridiculousness of all the racist comments on Twitter and the other sites, and we're going to boycott this and boycott that. It's another illustration of people dehumanizing and devaluing things because they're different. You know, people always say that you should be tolerant of others. And I think that tolerance is a step. Tolerance, I don't think, should be the the ultimate. I mean, the ultimate would be to embrace differences. Because you can embrace a difference without devaluing yourself. You can embrace a difference without thinking that someone else is better than you. You know, I have friends of all different ethnic groups. I mean, my seriously, seriously, if I got all my friends together, it would look just like that that Coca-Cola commercial with all those people, (laughs) you know. And I embrace the differences with my friends, different religions, different ethnicities and different races. I embrace those. It doesn't take anything away from the fact that I'm a black man. I don't think of you as better than me and I don't think of myself as better than you or anybody. But the difference is, if you really think about it, my wonderful things. You know, it makes us as a country who we're supposed to be. And when you look at other people and see that they're different, you can learn from them and they can learn from you. You can still be yourself, but you're better when you learn from other people, other points of view. See, I don't have it in me to dehumanize someone else. I just don't have it. And I don't have it within me to be discriminatory against someone else. I'm not going to discriminate you against you because you're a homosexual. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to discriminate against you because you have a religion or a different religion. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to discriminate against you because you're a different sex. I'm not going to discriminate against you for anything. The only way I will get pissed off at you is if you do something specifically to me or someone I care about or to society as a whole that I think is wrong. And then I will talk about that thing. But it doesn't necessarily mean I have to dehumanize you. I mean, in real and serious talk. Now, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I see someone say something stupid as a politician. Or I see someone say something racist and I write a joke on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr or whatever. I'm going to take a cheap shot at you. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm going to do. But when it comes to policy, I would never vote against something that was going to help somebody. I would never do that. They're jokes, but I I don't, I don't attack people just willy nilly. It's not cool. It's not fun. You know, I talk about uh, in an earlier podcast about a guy that I saw at a comedy club and he was getting his feelings hurt by a comic because a comic essentially just thought of him as a you know, a guy in the audience. And he was, he felt okay saying things to the guy that made the other audience members laugh, but it made him uncomfortable. Meaning the audience, the audience member that was the subject of the jokes made him uncomfortable. I ain't like that too much. And I made a decision that I'm not going to dehumanize people like that at all. I made the decision that night. I was a teenager at the time and I've stuck with it. And I think by now, <laughs> after all of this time, I think it's pretty safe to say that I'm not going to do that. And I'm actually happy that at that, that moment occurred and that it changed who I was so you know as I watch this black exploitation film as they call it as I'm looking at it right now so this one's actually called Cotton Comes to Harlem it's actually a pretty good movie I'm not saying it's, it's Oscar worthy but it's definitely not a piece of shit that should be treated badly or disrespected with the label of black exploitation. it's just a movie with black people in it you know so Let's just do that as a group. Let's decide we're not going to devalue and dehumanize things that are just because they're different than us. Because we're better than that. Dig? All right, cats and kitties, dudes and dudettes, we knocked out another one. Um, I just want to thank you once again, like I said, for stopping by. Um, I want to thank you again for the cards and the flowers and your devotional speeches and poems about my genius and how I'm the most beautiful human being on the planet. Okay, none of that actually happened, but it will be nice. What's wrong with you people? Okay, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate you sharing me on your social media sites and I appreciate you subscribing and I appreciate you having your friends subscribe and your families and all of that. I appreciate that. But a brother can't get one over the top, you know, no over the top declarations of his genius. Is that too much to ask for you people? I mean, really, man. All I get is, oh, that was a great show, yes, That was awesome. But not once did I get called a delicious chocolate genius. I, not one time. And I find that hurt. Her- <laughs> Damn, I tried to do it with a straight face. All right. uh, Once again, guys, thank you very much for stopping by. Much love to you all. S. Anthony out. Go. giggle, we're gonna get wild, go ahead and clap, go ahead and cheer, we're gonna have a good time, while I've been here.